You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, uh, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host, and we have a special guest today, Brian Howe. You can catch Brian's work at buffzone.com, where you can find a lot of good Colorado content leading up to Friday's matchup between TCU and the Buffaloes. Um, Brian, first of all, thanks for joining the show. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. And uh, let's just jump right in. So, so both these teams... Um, I was saying the other day, there might be five quarterbacks playing this game, possibly. Sonny Dykes said that right. that three QBs could play for TCU or expects them to play. I know Colorado has a, a battle going on between uh, Brendan Lewis and, and JT Shrout. Um, how do you think that shakes out? Are they going to rotate series? And uh, kind of what do those guys bring each of them to the, to the football field? Yeah, to answer the first part, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. In fact, Carl Durrell was asked the other day, whether it's going to go off of script, gut feeling, or how the game goes, and his answer was all of the above. So um, I think they've probably got a script, but it could be that uh, you know whoever starts, you know, if CU's up fourteen nothing after the first quarter, and your plan was to go with the with the other guy in the second quarter. Maybe you just keep going with the first guy. Uh, if it's a couple of three and outs, you go to the other guy quicker. You know, so um, I think we are going to see both guys unless you know, whoever starts, um, is just killing it. <laughs> and then there, there may not be a need to, um, I don't know who's going to take the first snap. My guess would be, it's going to be Brendan Lewis, uh, based on the fact that he's the incumbent. Uh, and you know, Carl Durrell said the other day that there hasn't been enough done to unseat him, you know, from not being the starter. So I would imagine he gets the first snap. So that's just a guess. Um, they're, they are different. Um, you know, fans down there might've seen Brendan Lewis play in high school, he's from Melissa, Texas, and, uh, you know, a dual threat. Uh, he was a pass first kind of, kind of a pass first dual threat in high school. Uh, but through, through for a ton of yards, ran for a ton of yards. He's definitely the, the more dual threat CU has, and, um, he can burn uh, teams with his legs. He had a couple of nice touchdown runs last year, um, a key ones in, in a couple of their wins, but struggled throwing the ball. Um, but he, he's, he's more of a runner than a passer, but he can throw it. JT is that, pocket passer you know he's got he's got nfl type of arm i mean he makes throws that you know you watch sometimes you're like wow <laughs> i've seen that on sundays before so um and he can move but he's you know he's not peyton manning back there but you know he's certainly not uh, you know michael vick back there either so um they are different in that regard and so the offense uh, you have a new oc and mike samford who has an extensive resume but most recently at minnesota I saw Brian. You put in a preview that they wanted to be they wanted to be multiple on offense. Um, so, what do you think that means? What kind of you know different philosophies formations do you feel like we'll see on Friday night? Yeah, I'm I'm very curious because uh, Sanford is funny because he's a really nice guy. I like him, uh, but he is very um, you know paranoid about information getting out. I mean, this is a guy that told us uh, you know they played Minnesota played CU last year. They play him this year as well, mm -hmm. uh, but he was telling us that that staff studied CU's uh, spring game that was on TV extensively. And uh, it was very vanilla that spring game, but they studied it extensively. So he's paranoid about information getting out because he knows what coaches can do with it. Um, you know, he just flat won't give give up a whole lot, but 
Um, I do think that they very much want to establish the run. I think that's a big point of emphasis for this offense, and uh, and they want to throw it. I mean, Sanford was a quarterback. You know, Darrell was a wide receiver in their playing days, so they want to throw the ball. But uh, first and foremost, they want to establish a run. I think we're going to see everything from, you know, uh, some four wide sets, um, some two or three tight end sets, you know, two back sets, empty sets. I think we're going to see a little bit of everything. And the um, from a SAS perspective, I mean, Colorado was really anemic on offense last year. Yeah. Um, I guess whether it's a returner or a newcomer, do they have like a dynamic playmaker that they want to get the ball in, in his hands and somebody who can, uh, you know, make some big plays for them? Are they expecting that this season? I think so, but there's a lot of guys that need to prove it. I mean, their uh-huh. best, their most explosive player last year was Brendan Rice, who is now at USC. So, um, you know, that's an issue for them. But a lot of last year's um, struggles were offensive line. Uh, that group uh, was not coached very well, um, and they really struggled. Uh, they didn't know what to do half the time. And, you know, they, they feel much comfortable, much more comfortable under their new coach right now. I think that makes everybody else feel comfortable. But they do have some guys that uh, – you know, I think are going to be some playmakers. And, you know, Daniel Arias is one that he's a fifth-year senior. He's taking advantage of that COVID year. We've been waiting for him to put it together throughout his entire career. Uh, you know, when you see him, he is absolutely an NFL body. You know, he's six okay. foot four, 210 receiver. He's one of the fastest guys on the team, uh, but he's never really put it all together. He had a career-high 19 catches last year, which is not a lot. You know, so he's got 28 catches in his career in four years. Uh, but he's a guy that, you know, has first round NFL, NFL first round ability, but he's just got to put it together. And he could be a guy that they really target. RJ Sneed is a guy that um, TCU fans know about because uh, he's played against him quite a bit in the last yeah. several years. So um, he's one of the top playmakers. Montana Lamonius Craig is another receiver that um, only 10 career catches at this point. Uh, he's a sophomore, but I expect him to have a, a really big year. And then Alex Fontenot is another uh, Texas product. He's from uh, down in the Dallas area uh, that he's going to you know, be the lead running back. And I think that he has some ability to you know have a thousand yard type of season if he's healthy. So turn and then over- r- real quick, real okay, quick sorry, ahead. one other guy, Brady Russell, the okay. tight end is I think he's going to be one of their best weapons and a guy that they utilize quite a bit. Was he their leader in like receiving yards last year? He was in, in receptions and receiving yards and, you know, their numbers were terrible. So it looks like about two games worth for most teams, right. but yeah, he was their leader. <laughs> so turning over to the defense, I, I mean, they held up Brian pretty well, I guess the, you know, the games that they won, it was led by that, that defense being mm-hmm. able to get stops and force turnovers. Um, that D line is something that stands out to me. It seems like they got a lot of experience there. Is that the biggest strength of this unit? The D line and the linebackers for sure. That front seven um, there's, a lot of experience there and there's, there's not very much in the back, but uh, the D line, definitely uh, Jalen, Sami, Naeem Rodman, Terrence Lang are, are guys that have been around for a long time. Now uh, guy Thomas is a six year senior. Uh, that's, you know, he used to be in Nebraska, then Juco, and now he's here. Uh, so they got a lot of guys in that, in that front four that I think are going to be very experienced. And then their three linebackers in the middle are, are going to be very good. I mean, Robert Barnes, who uh, formerly at Oklahoma, uh, so these are guys that TCU fans have probably seen. You know, yeah. Robert Barnes played against TCU. Um, Josh Chandler Samito has been at West Virginia the last few years. Um, he's now uh, the middle linebacker here. And then Quinn Perry is a guy that's been here. Uh, he was one of their leading tacklers last year. So uh, those three guys, that's, that's three seniors that have got a lot of games and a lot of tackles under their belt. So uh, I think it's going to be 
huge for CU if that front seven can play well because that secondary is so inexperienced. And speaking of the secondary, man, it's really funny, Brian. These teams have a lot of similarities. You you were talking about the playmakers for Colorado earlier, and CCU's kind of in the same boat. They have a lot. Of, they have probably five or six wide receivers that they think are going to be breakout players, but they haven't really done it to this point in their careers. Yeah. Uh, but I would I would say they think that's a strength. So um, the secondary for Colorado, I know they're experienced. Does, does the coaching staff feel though that they have some talent there that these guys can compete? They do. They they love the talent here. Um, you know, three of their, their starting DBs from last year are now playing elsewhere. One of them at TCU. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, both their corners are playing at other schools in the PAC 12 right now. Uh, so they're, they're experienced veteran cornerbacks right now are Nico Reed and Kalen Moore, who are true sophomores, um, who, you know, played about a hundred and 130, 140 snaps each last year. Uh, that's their veterans because behind them is a bunch of true freshmen. So they're extremely young, but they're very good. Uh, you know, I, I've had even some of the former players uh, that are no longer with CU. Uh, I had a preview come out about the corners this summer, and a couple of them, uh, you know, messaged me out of the blue and said, those guys are really good. You're going to like how good they are. So uh, they love that group. They just haven't done it yet, and they've got to prove that they can do it. Um, Trevor Woods is another one, a safety uh, down in the Texas area. There's a lot of Texas guys on this team. Um, he's a true sophomore as well. Uh, Tyron Taylor is kind of that nickelback. He's a true sophomore. So really four of kind of the five DBs that would be in starting roles are true sophomores. And, you know, that that's very young. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you mentioned Mark Perry, uh, who's now at CCU and was at Colorado previously. Um, I guess, Brian, does the coaching staff have any concern? I don't know if you got to ask him that this week, but do they have any concern about him knowing defensive calls and signals or are they, are they changing some of that up with, with TCU coming to town? Yeah. I, I don't think they're concerned with it. It wasn't really brought up. Um, okay. but you know, I, I think that there's so much, there's so much change that happens a lot of times that they'll mix some of those, some of those things right. up. And, um, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but there's, there's a guy on the staff that used to be at TCU as well. So there's some familiarity okay. on both sides. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know the name off the top of my head. He's, he's one of the support staff guys, but, um, so there's a little bit of familiarity on both sides, but I don't think they're too worried about it. I think they're probably going to mix things up a little bit. Uh, before we get to a predictions, kind of a big picture question. So this off season has been uh, tumultuous for the PAC 12 with, with USC and UCLA leaving. And I guess Colorado's in a pretty unique spot because they're previously a big 12 school. Um, now they're in the PAC 12. What do, what's your sense of kind of what administration thinks, what fans are thinking about the future of, the league in the Pac-12, and would they welcome, you know, potentially a, a Big 12 invite moving forward? Yeah, it's interesting because it's it changes every day, right? And I think yeah. the message I get from administration is uh, they believe in the Pac-12 and that the Pac-12 can stay together, uh, but that's not really in their hands. I mean, so much of that is determined by um, when does the Big 10 – it's not if, it's, it's almost like when does the Big 10 – call up Oregon and Washington and say, all right, let's go <laughs> come with us. Cause once that happens, uh, the rest of the PAC 12, uh, is probably going to dissolve at some point. Um, as far as the fans, I mean, you have some of the older set that that kind of misses the, the K state games and, uh, you know, some of those things like that. And, you know, obviously some of the, some of the marquee matchups from the big 12 and, and big eight days won't be there anymore. Cause right. Nebraska, Texas, Oklahoma are, are gone, uh, or, or will be gone. So, I don't think there's a ton of nostalgia, but I think right now the fans just get us in a spot that's going to be the best, you know, that's going to help us make the most money and, and be 
somewhat relevant. I mean, at this point, we we kind of know CU is not going to be in one of the big two, the Big Ten or SEC, but just don't get left behind. Right. <laughs> Stay somewhat relevant. And if that's staying in the Pac-12, great. If it's a move to the Big 12, great. Okay, Brian, do you do you have a feel for Friday night? Do you have a prediction? Um, two teams, new staffs. What do you think about the, the winner on Friday? Yeah, you know, it's going to sound like a homer pick. Um, and I admit it that, you know, you're probably the same way. Uh, I don't know if you'll admit it or not, but um, when you're, when you cover one team, it's hard not to drink some of the Kool-Aid, right. And, oh, yeah. and, yeah. and get a little bias for that team that you're covering. Cause it's the only team you're around. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, CU is not going to be a great team this year. You know, they're not, I don't see them as a bowl team. You know, I think that they're going to struggle to get to six wins, but I think they're better than people think. And, uh, and frankly, I think they win on Friday night. I think, um, you know, they're a 14 point underdog, which I think I don't see, you know, where that number comes from, but I think this, this team has traditionally really geared up for night games at Folsom field. And you got a Friday night on ESPN, the student section is going to be rocking. I mean, Folsom is kind of a rocking place for a night game. And I think they're going to be geared up for it. And, you know, just some of the changes that, you know, nobody knows what CU is going to do. I think they come up with some surprises and now they win this game, but I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, that would be fascinating. You know, you mentioned the Kool-Aid, like TCU fans, there's going to be some weeping and gnashing of teeth if, if they lose the way they've been talking this week about just what they think they're going to do to Colorado. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back with Locked on Horn Frogs after this.